in this place. Come on, come on. Just like that, just like that. Come on. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us stand for the word of God. Let us stand for the word of God. 
Let us stand for the word of God. Amen. Our morning reading, I'm going to put it that way. We'll get the sermon text later. The morning reading is going to come from Psalm 91. Psalm 91, just starting at the first verse. Psalm 91, or the 91st division of the psalm. Psalm 91. You got to stay Baptist every now and then. The 91st division of the psalm. Psalm 91. When you have it, say amen. If you still need a minute, say I need a minute. Okay, I'll give you five seconds. That's all I got. Amen. Amen. Psalm 91 reads, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasted at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall be no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet, because he shall set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The word of God is already blessed. Let us pray. Father God, this morning we just want to say thank you. Lord God, we first just want to say thank you, God, for waking us up on another Sunday, God. God, we thank you, God, because we know that some laid down last night, did not wake up this morning, God, but you saw fit that we would be allowed to come into your house one more Sunday and celebrate King Jesus. So on today, God, we ask that you would inhabit the praises of your people, God. Let your, let your, let your presence, God, show yourself mighty in this place, God. Move by your spirit in this place, God. Touch the singers, the preacher, the priest's word on today, God. God, we're thanking you right now for 120 years of service, God. We're thanking you right now, God, because, God, you could have left us a long time ago, but you so fit, God, to keep us in this place, God. And for that, we say thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus, and bless your name. Amen. Join in with us as we sing our morning hymn. 
hold to God's unchanging hand. And then we're going to give a tribute to Thomas A. Dorothy who wrote, Walking Up the King's Highway. Come on, y'all know this. Walking up the King's Highway. 
Amen. I just have a few announcements uh, before I welcome my visitors. Uh, again, we had a wonderful, wonderful uh, church meeting on yesterday. All went well, and questions were answered, and we are celebrating where we are. Uh, there will be a follow-up call by our chairman of our trustee board uh, to give you a special uh, information as we are working to do some major things in this place. You'll be hearing more about that this week. Also, y'all know what next Sunday is. Praise the Lord. Okay, y'all, y'all do get a little bit more excited than that. Father's Day. Okay, that was lukewarm. If I would have said Mama Day, y'all would have been up on y'all feet. It's Father's Day. And we know that our members are doing our planning on doing something special. Something special for Mother's Father's Day. I was about to say Mother's Day. I'm a victim. Okay. So we're looking forward to that. And then we also, for those persons, we are the summer sizzle uh, coming up in next month. And we are excited about that. You'll get more information. And then, of course, Vendor Fair. Our Vendor Fair will be coming up as well. We are so excited. We have some guests here who have come to worship with us. We are excited. We got some folk here. Uh, folk y'all may not have seen or even known or even heard of, but we are grateful that they are here. We got folk who have been watching us uh, in different cities, who live and reside in different cities, and they thought it not robbery to make their way to Ebenezer uh, to help us celebrate 120 years. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and perpetrate a lie. This ain't the only reason they came. But but, uh, we celebrate, we celebrate. We celebrate that they're here today. I want to acknowledge the presence of, first of all, some of you may know, some of you may not know. Why y'all put our way back there? Why y'all put our way back there? Put her right back up there. Okay, you make that decision. I'm giving you permission if you want to, all right? We got plenty of good room in the Father's kingdom, right? We got plenty of good room. If we got to walk around her, it's Okay. We got one, two, three, four more aisles. You can come down. Amen? Amen. Don't put a wave back there. No, we, ain't, we don't want to do that. But I want to acknowledge, first of all, all of our guests who are here, then I acknowledge special guests who are here. All of our guests, if you just wave your hand so we can say thank you for being here. I see another one coming in at the door. See some others here. Thank you for being here for our 120th church anniversary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. God is indeed good. I want to acknowledge the presence of my oldest, my oldest sister, but only by a few years. Donna uh, is here. She's up here in the front sitting with Pam. And the other Dr. Thomas as well, Dr. Joyce Thomas, who is uh, here as well. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here today. That's my oldest sister. And then my youngest brother, y'all thought, you know, uh, y'all, y'all thought a lot of stuff, but this is my youngest brother, Nate Nathaniel, is here all the way, he and his wife, all the way from Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. 
Y'all see some resemblance, right? Y'all see some? Amen. His lovely wife is here. And then my cousin from uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, is here with his sister, Rachel. Aaron, stand up so they can see you. Ebenezer, these one of my, this, they some of my big donors, too, because when I'm in trouble, I, I call on them. Uh, and so I'm so happy to see him, them here today. And then Rachel's mom is in the building. Please stand, Rachel's mom. Pat. All have come to celebrate. Uh, and I see Reverend Dr. Dawn Brunfield in the house. You can just wave your hand, Dr. Dawn, an incredibly gifted preacher and clinician. We are excited. So to all of you who are worshiping with us today, we say welcome. A seat of welcome always awaits you here at Ebenezer. For those of you who are worshiping online, we are so grateful. Send us a shout uh, via the text or chat and let us know that you are here. Let's continue with worship this morning as we continue to lift the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, we need you right now, Lord. 
on and take control. Say right now, right now, we need you right now. Right now, we need you right now. Listen, I remember a long time ago, we were staying in church all day long, singing and shouting, praising God. None of us was ready to go home. Blind eyes was open, and the sick was being healed. Look out, y'all. The devil is a man. Nobody told he can still come by here, Lord. Come by here, Lord. We need a blessing for our soul. Oh, we need you right now, Lord. We need you right now, Lord. Come on and take control. Oh, come by here, Lord. Come by here, Lord. We need a blessing for our soul. Oh, we need you right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Come on and take control. Right now. Right now. We need you right now. Right now. Right now. We need you right now, Lord. We need you right now. We need you. We need you right now. We have some people. We need you right now. On the verge. We need you right now. On the verge of giving up. We need you right now. Lord, we need you. We need you right now. We know. We need you right now. You can do anything. We need you right now. We need you right now. Oh, right now. Right now. Right now. Right now, 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 right
offering time. We need you right now. It's offering time. It's offering time. It's offering time. It's offering time. Yes, I'm following directions. Yes, man, it's offering time. (laughs) It's offering time. It is offering time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah in this place. Again, we are grateful today that we have the opportunity to come and just worship God and give back to him. We'll never be able to give back to him what he's given to us. But what we can do, a couple things, is we can give our reasonable service. That's first. But then we can also pay our tithes, and then we can also give our offering. There is a difference. There's a difference. I heard of somebody on Bible studies talk, uh, Wednesday. They talked about Cain and Abel, and Cain got upset because of what he gave. And God said, what's wrong with you? Why are you mad because what you gave? Don't be mad because your brother gave the best of what he had, then turned around and gave the best of what he had left. Just read the story. Read the story. That's context. That's context. It's, It's not about how much you give. It's about how you give. I'll say that again. It's not about how much you give. It's about how you give. Because if you write a check for $1,000 begrudgingly, you should have kept it. I know the chairman of the trustee board don't want to hear that, but, it, but, but, but if you write it begrudgingly, you should have kept it. You should have kept it. If you write it and then brag about it, you should have kept it. Okay, see, I'm on. Okay. That's a different lesson. Amen. Amen. But it is offering time. It's offering time. Amen. Amen. You can give. There are several ways you can give. You can give online at EbenezerBronzeville.org, EbenezerBronzeville.org. Just hit the Give Now button. Also, for the friends of Ebenezer, you guys know what we are attempting to do. Uh, I shouldn't say attempting. What we are going to do. What we are going to do. Let me correct myself. What we are going to do uh, in this place and the place next door. So, friends of Ebenezer, that link is there as well. Uh, We're asking for members to give beyond, above and beyond. We're asking. I know it's a stretch. I know it's a stretch. Look, I, I know it's a stretch. I had to fill my car up. I know it's a stretch. I know it's a stretch. I know it's a stretch, but we're asking that you would trust God, that you would trust God, that you would trust God. You can also give by mobile phone, by text. Text to give is 312-779-0146. For those of you sitting in the audience, if you need that information, the ushers do have this card. They can give you that same information I'm giving for my online people right now. Text to give 312-779-0146. You can also give by mail for those of you watching online, 4501. South Vincennes Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60653. And then last but not least, you can give by Zelle or QuickPay. 
773-960-9028. Again, 773-960-9028. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you. Lord God, we thank you in advance for what you are about to do in this place. Lord God, we thank you right now, God, for both the gifts and the giver on today, God. God, we just want to say thank you again for 120 years. Lord God, we thank you for allowing us to be here, God, not because we were so good, but because you showed us mercy and grace. Now, God, we ask that you would bless this offering even 100-fold so that we may continue to do the work of your kingdom in this place and beyond. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. generosity to Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. We are so grateful for what you are doing and for those who are partnering with us. And we are affectionately calling friends of Ebenezer as we seek to raise the funds to restore this edifice. Um, We say thank you for your generosity. At this time, we will have altar call. We're asking you just to, if you would like to participate, if you would just stand where you are. We have several names on our prayer list today that we want to lift this morning. We have on our prayer list Laney Ams. And even if you don't want to stand, you don't have anything going on, maybe you want to intercede for somebody else, you can stand in their stead. Lindsay Mayfield, 
We continue to pray for Marguerite Jones, who is in the building today. Sister Jones, wave your hand. Praise the Lord. That is Reginald Jones, his mom. Doris Robinson, who has been looked after by her cousin Beverly Stinson, who returned from Las Vegas. Sister Doris Robinson, we're keeping her on the prayer list, and she sent back with Sister Beverly a card and a, a, a note. And, and primarily what she was doing, she was thanking Ebenezer uh, for what you all have been doing, praying for her. And she sent her anniversary donation all the way from Las Vegas via Beverly Stinson. We're grateful. Deacon Chester Coleman, Elise and Willie Grant, continuing to pray for Alfred Moore, Kenneth Sexton, the son of Vivian Peake, Al and Mary Burton, Shirley Anderson, Mary Sumter, continuing to pray for Mary Grant, who is in the building today. Reverend Grant is right over there. Sarah Billups, Mary Alexander, Rosa Conway. We're praying for Gladys Evans, Janice Carr. Continue to lift up Reverend James Thompson, Albert Cheney, the son of Rita Cheney, Angela Williams, the daughter of Patricia Hatcher, Glorine Driver, friend of Gail and Juanita Cooper. Continue to pray for David Pearson, Bernetta Pearson, the parents of Dr. Pam. Michael Jones, Jr., friend of Dorothy Gibson and family, Betty Smith. We're praying for her in California. Deacon James Smith, who's in the building. The Lord is continuing to bless him at 102. 102, he's in the building. Send Sister Minnie Peggs in Charter Nursing Home. Francis Pepper. The grandmother, Sonona Casanova and Tatiana in U of C Hospital. Continue to pray for Patricia Hatcher. We're praying for Myrtle Gunn. Myrtle wanted to be here today, but she caught a cold, so she said they felt it be best just to not come, but they're going to try to get here in the next week or two. So we're thanking God for Myrtle Gunn and continue to pray for her. We're lifting up Ernestine Rowe, who's in Christ Hospital. Ernestine Rowe. Lifting up her daughters right now who are carrying, tag-teaming, being there with her. Let us pray. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Because Jesus knows all about our struggles. And surely he will guide till the day is done. Eternal God, our Father, we are grateful to be in this space as we lift up these names on our prayer list. Lord, you know what they stand in need of, O oh God, and we would just ask that you would touch them, O oh God, at the point of their need. Whatever situation, whatever dilemma they may be wrestling with, O oh God, be it financial, be it emotional, whatever it may be, sickness in their body, we pray right now, O oh God, that you see about them that you would restore them, that you would heal them, that you would give them the strength to keep on keeping on. 
God, we thank you today for this wonderful, wonderful celebration of 120 years, oh God. You didn't have to let us linger or be here today, oh God, but because of your grace and your mercy, you allowed us to still continue to roll on. We know, God, that we've had sister churches that have not opened their doors. But, God, you allowed Ebenezer to still be here, to be a beacon light on this corner, oh God, and within this community. God, as we continue to move forward in the days and weeks that lie ahead, God, we ask you would continue to bind us together. Bind us together so strong, oh God, so that we can achieve the things that you've given to our hands to complete. For we know, oh God, that you are able. You are able yet still, oh God. And you can do incredible things through your people. So God, bind us together. Bind us in love. Bind us in unity. Help us to be obedient to your word and to your will. As we seek to continue to live out our purpose in ministry in this Bronzeville community. Now, God, we've up the preacher of the owl, God. We are so grateful to have Dr. Thomas here today. And we know, God, that whatever proceeds out of his mouth will touch us who are here today. We are thankful, oh God. And we know that we need this word today. So, God, take charge of the balance of this service, and we'll be ever so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the death Lord Jesus Jesus Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus, how I trust him and how I prove him Precious Jesus, oh, for grace, oh, for grace, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Amen. Amen. I'm going to introduce our speaker, and then we will have a sermonic selection. But before I introduce him, 
I want to say, I want to acknowledge three people. You all know that we've been working on restoring HVAC in our educational building. And we purposed that we would reopen our dining room in time for the 120th anniversary. That facility has been closed for, what is it, at least a year or two? Is that correct? At least, thank you, Stanley, two years. And the Lord made a way for us to put HVAC and the treasurer and the chairman. We, they, they had to be creative because we had pipes bursting because there wasn't no heat in the building. And I'm going to celebrate our trustees and our chairman and our treasurer a little later for what they have done and accomplished as it relates to the finance piece of getting that in order. But there were three gentlemen, members of our church, that heard the call and of the pastor when we said we wanted to have the dining room open for today, where our members can go up there and enjoy whatever we're going to eat with air conditioning. Of course, we don't need it today, but that's Chicago. Two weeks ago, the dining room looked like a war zone because all the things they had to do to put the heating in the air and all that other kind of stuff, it was just an absolute complete mess. Mark Harris Sr. said, Pastor, we can do it. He's already on staff as one of our custodians, and this is like extra work. He and his son, Mark Harris Jr., and Derek, Minister Derek Jefferson have been working around the clock nonstop. And I think they finished at 5 a.m. this morning or 8 o'clock this morning. Y'all worked through the night. I want y'all to hear the complete story. They worked through the night. That's the second day they worked through the night. And they finished at 8 a.m. this morning. Ran home. Ran home to change clothes, to come back here to get on the guitar and to sing. Derek, Mark, Mark Jr., come on up so they can see who you are. Ebenezer, this is the kind of spirit is going to help us do and accomplish what God has given to our hands. Come on up. Mark Sr., Mark Jr., and Minister Derek Jefferson. When you all go up there, now, understand this. It's a soft opening. Soft. It's beautiful, but we ain't beautified it like we want to. We need some other folks to step up for that. 
uh, as far as the creativity. But it is in wonderful shape, and we will have a wonderful luncheon after the worship service today. And I wanted you all to know that we are so grateful. And they... And they have not only purposed to do that, but other places and spaces within the church. And so Ebenezer thanks you. Uh, uh, we thank you verbally, and we thank you, we're going to be thanking you nominally as well. Amen. Thank you. You can go back to your seat. That's the kind of spirit. And there are others in this church that work like that, that go the extra mile for our faith community, and we are grateful. I am, I am incredibly honored to have this opportunity to introduce to Ebenezer Dr. Frank Anthony Thomas. I have known Dr. Frank, or Pastor Frank as I call him, for a long time, and that's really due, firstly, to my sister Donna, who was, her and her husband and family were loyal members of the New Faith Baptist Church of Maxson. And I had an opportunity to, to meet him through her. Um, when I was in the chaplain corps, I was stationed at Great Lakes naval base and one of the responsibilities is we have to uh, go through continuing education training and for my colleagues we would always have persons subject matter experts to come and present to the chaplains who were at the base it was about 20 of us and every time that we had this subject matter expert to come they never looked like me. They always had some people, they bring in rabbis, they bring in this person, they bring in that person, but they never, and we had a, like half of our chaplain court, the base was, was African American. But they would always bring people that didn't look like us. And so I complained. I said, why we always got to go? And, and so they said, well, we can't find nobody. I said, okay. And so I reached out to Dr. Frank, and that happened a long time. That, went, that might have been in the 90s. And he came up to Great Lakes, and he literally tore that place apart as it relates to the chaplain. They had never experienced a man like that. And, and, and he, was, he was amazing in his delivery and the way in which he was able to interact with, you know, colleagues and ministers and rabbis and all that other kind of stuff. So that was one, ex one experience. Then when I served at another church, I was able to partner with his youth ministry. He had had at New Faith an amazing staff. And they allowed me to partner with them with the church where I was serving. So I got access to places and spaces that a whole lot of folks didn't have access to. Dr. Frank know a whole... Dr. Frank knows a whole lot of people, and there are a lot of people that would like to know him and want to rub up against him, and, and rightfully so, and see him as a mentor, and rightfully so. I've had the unique perspective to be able to, to be connected through family, and in a way, I consider him family. 
this man of God has preached literally in some of the greatest pulpits in this country, even the world. That is no small statement. The greatest pulpits. He has led some of the greatest pulpits in this country. New Faith Baptist Church in Maxson, Illinois. And then Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. Frank Thomas currently serves as the director of the Ph.D. program in African-American preaching and sacred rhetoric and the Nettie Sweeney and Hugh Miller Professor of Homiletics at the Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana. He has written a number of books. He has taught at McCormick Theological Seminary, Memphis Theological Seminary, He has published the African-American Pulpit. It was a journal for African-American preachers. One of the greatest things that, that, uh, resources that we have ever had. He has literally done it all. I thought about reading his curriculum vitae, but it was six pages. Six pages. He has multiple degrees, two earned doctorate degrees, PhDs, a host of masters and awards and this, that, and the other, but he is a gifted preacher and a humble servant of God. Ebenezer, when we invite people to Ebenezer, we try to bring the best of the best. He is the best. He teaches other preachers how to be the best. He is a humble man of God. He's an anointed man of God. And after, after the Samonic selection, I am humbled and honored to present and introduce to you Reverend Dr. Frank Anthony Thomas, who will deliver the word for our 120th church anniversary. Amen. against me shall prosper 
So it's so much history at Ebenezer Baptist Church, just in my family alone. My grandmother, Isabel Joseph Johnson, stood up here and has, has spoke a word. So I want to say I am so happy to be here. But God gave me a revelation when I talked to Sister Susan about what I was going to sing today. I told her, for God so loved the world. And that was my father's favorite scripture. John 3.16 was on his license plate. And I didn't, I just realized that for God so loved the world. Let's praise God together and thank God together for all the many blessings that have gone forth in this church. Hallelujah. God could have chosen to never love again. Fallen man could go his way and die in his sin. But God in his compassion said, I'll pay redemption price. So he took on the became the perfect sacrifice for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should Oh, 
First of all, let me thank this music team for uh, just amazing music that you've heard in your service. Thank you so much, all of you. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on, somebody. Let me uh, let me say to you all that I think I'm going to preach in my mask this morning. I um, One of the things that is very, very important to me is comfort and relaxation. A couple of weeks ago, I preached in a church had a wonderful service, and the choir was a little too close, and I didn't sleep that night. And so I tend to move in spaces, a lot of different kinds of spaces with different kinds of people. And when you lose sleep, you say to yourself, I'm going to do what keeps me comfortable. So everybody's comfortable. Some some have chosen not to wear a mask. I have no problem with that. Some have chosen to wear. I have no problem with that. Each of us has to do what we need to do to sleep at night. So I think you can hear me. Yeah, you're good. I'll try to help you hear me. You're good. And now let me back up and thank this music team again. Amen. <laughs> It's amazing music, and um, typically uh, you don't sing like that without practicing. Somebody put in some effort to sound like that. So I'm deeply appreciative as a preacher for quality music, and uh, then old-fashioned God so loved the world. I was a young pastor in Madison, Illinois, 1983, 84, and 85. Sterling Culp was our minister of music. He used to sing that and then taught it to the choir. And virtually, I learned how to open the doors of the church. So you have to learn how to invite people to Christ. It doesn't doesn't come naturally. 
mm-hmm. for most of us. We have to practice. I was a young pastor trying to grow, and I found that that was one of the two songs that no matter what I preached, I could get up and give the invitation. For God so loved the world. So I'm deeply thankful for your pastor. For his kind words and kind introduction, thank you, sir, um, for the years and the years of relationship I have deep um, feelings for Chicago. I grew up here on the south side of Chicago. I was a little snot-nosed kid running around here. without any idea that God was going to do something with my life. And so I've known Ebenezer. I grew up on 86th Street and known of the history and the legacy. This is a beautiful building. I thank God that you all are preserving it. It is worthy of being preserved, and I, I think you've got the right leader to help you preserve it. So I'm thankful. Yes, you do. You do. Yes, you do. I, I, uh, I saw him before he got a big church. See, some people get big when they get a big church. <laughs> Other people are big and the big church is waiting on them. So I'm thankful to my wife, to Donna Brumfield, to Reverend Dr. Don Brumfield. I haven't seen her. Hey, hey Don, how you doing? And I'm also thankful for to see um, old-fashioned pastor. We can do that. And we'll work to get it done. So I want to thank you, the three gentlemen. I want to thank you for your work. Thank you. And this will relate to the message. So let me just say this and then I'll read the text. This is what happens when you get a lot of personal feelings out of the way. Mm, my, my, my. You say that again, preacher. You can get a benediction right now. You just gave you preach, all let me go to the text. <laughs> okay. Let me work at it. Let me work at it. This is found in the book of Philippians, the first chapter, the 15th through the 18th verse. And it reads like this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. I want to ask you a question this morning, and the question is, why are you offended? Why are you offended? It's my open prayer that the church would take this message and apply it 
Because if this message is applied, this church would double instantly. We're living in an era of mass shootings, of violence that's been inflicted by people who are offended. Classic example, you will remember, of course, the shooting of Nipsey Hussle. Many of you may not remember that Nipsey Hussle. You remember he was a bad rapper guy turned into a good rapper guy. I mean, a bad rapper guy turned into a good rapper community guy is a a story that we all should celebrate. You will remember that, I don't know quite how, but according to what the newspaper said, he got into a beef with a brother that he knew. After the beef, the guy went home and got a gun, came back and killed him. First of all, this happens far too much in our communities where black people shoot other black people because somebody feels disrespected. Some of this would not happen without the proliferation and easy access to guns in our gun-crazed culture. And among other things, we need major gun reform to help curb the level of violence in our communities. If I had the opportunity to ask the shooter of Nipsey Hussle, but many other shooters, even a husband who takes a gun, shoots the babies, shoots the wife, then shoots himself, anybody, on the south side of Chicago, somebody who does a drive-by or shoots up a nightclub. I, I, I just have one, one question I want to ask him, and the question is, why are you offended? How did you get so offended that you were willing to kill another person? I want to ask you this morning, why are you Now, many of us would argue, of course, that these murder cases are extreme cases, and most of us do not murder people. At least we think we don't. I want to ask you on the record, uh, have you ever murdered anybody? Well, before you proclaim yourself innocent, you may want to plead the fifth. Before you feel too smug and feel like you don't need an attorney and can defend yourself in this matter, let me ask this. Have you ever heard of character assassination? Have you ever assassinated somebody else's character? Have you ever talked about somebody, thought the worst of somebody, decided that they or their motives were not right? Have you ever run somebody down to another person? Have you ever judged somebody? Have you ever spread somebody's business that was not positive? Now, at least one or two of us up in here have done this 
And when we get through, somebody called the police because there's been a killing in the neighborhood. Somebody get the chalk and the tape. Somebody just murdered somebody. And I just want to ask you why. Why are you so offended? Why are you so upset, so pained, so hurt, so bothered, so disturbed, so distressed, so outraged, so stung, so put out, so grieved, so disgruntled, so agitated, so ruffled, so resentful, so affronted, so miffed, so displeased, why are you in such a huff, or as they used to say when I was growing up, why are you huffy? Why are you offended? You see, talking you into being offended is a major strategy of Satan. The goal of Satan is to get you out of your spiritual frame of mind. And so Satan uses offendedness. One writer said it this way, when the word is in your heart, Satan has no authority to get it out himself, so he has to convince you to cast the word out of your heart. If he can convince you to be offended, you will destroy your own harvest. If you get offended, you will give up the seed of the word that's been planted in your devotional life, in your prayer life, in your Bible study life, I mean, you can, you can go to Bible study all you want, but when you become offended, you lose the lesson. You can worship all you want, but when you decide to be offended, you just lost the benefit of worship. How are you going to bless God offended with your neighbor? It's hard for God to reside in an offended heart. The bottom line is this. The moment you choose to be offended, immediately your spiritual walk begins to wither away. Your prayer life withers. Being offended short circuits our relationship with Christ. And being offended keeps us as surface and superficial Christians. Now, I am not naive to life. And I know that offense will occur, and sometimes very often. People can be very offensive. Offense will happen, but there's a difference between an offense and being offended. Offense is what happens to you. Offended is the choice you make to respond to what happens to you. I mean, it's possible for there to be an offense and you not to be offended. You can address an offense and not be offended. You can deal with a matter and not be offended. I'm not saying ignore offense. You see, but to be offended is to pick up your offense to consume it, to feed on it in our hearts, 
to nurture it until we are upset, we're pained, we're hurt, we're bothered, we're disturbed, we're distressed, we're outraged, we're stung, we're put out, we're grieved, we're disgruntled, agitated, ruffled, resentful, affronted, miffed, displeased, in a huff and huffy. You see, offended people produce hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, and envy. If you go into a meeting and there's hurt, anger, outrage, somebody somewhere is already offended before they got to the meeting. This, this, this is critical. Now, this don't mean there's not offense. That's why I said you can't work all night, the three of them, if somebody's offended. We got two weeks to get this thing together. We can't, we can't get it done if we offend it. You come to a meeting, y'all been meeting, ain't nothing happening, somebody's offended. And if, I, I don't know anything. I've just been a pastor a long time. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> Let me say this quickly. <laughs> Believe me, I don't know a thing. If this... If this word is you, this is God, because I've just been a pastor. So I know that offense usually happens in the parking lot after the meeting. The offended meeting happens on the phone before the meeting. I just, why, why are you offended? I, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy. John Revere says that some of the effects of being offended are insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, backsliding, words but no power, teaching but no anointing, leadership but no fellowship, worship noise but no praise. The devil traps many Christians because they'll turn offense to being offended. You see, offended, secondly, offended people take things personal. They did this to get back at me. They just don't interrupt my program. They want to see my ministry grow. It's about me. It's about me. Well, I hate to inform you, but most people ain't even thought about you. <laughs> most people trying to get their needs met. You are an accident or a casualty that was not planned in the need to get my needs met. You see, offended people take things personally. The enemy tricks us into thinking it's about us and we end up being offended. Thirdly, offended people are competitive. It's it sets up a dynamic of competition in the church. Competition looks like a sense of pleasure at the failure of another person's program, ministry, or somebody else's solo. It looks like enjoyment in the decline in another congregation's ministry. Churches have competition with other churches. If we're not careful, we secretly get pleasure when we hear another church is having trouble. Girl, I knew it wasn't right over there. I told you it was just a matter of time. We get angry at the success of another ministry rather than concentrating in our own vineyard. And we say stuff like, you know it ain't nothing but a cult over there. In a, in a 
culture that's into winners and losers, it is hard to imagine a God that wants everybody to win. Can I say that again? Yeah, just in case y'all missed that. In a culture that's into winners or losers, winners or losers, it's hard to imagine a God that wants everybody to win. Some folks think heaven is sweeter because some people go to hell. God wants everybody to win. Well, I got this text hanging out here, and if I were critiquing my preaching students, I would have told them that they should have already been at the text by now. So let me get there. In our text, Paul had the opportunity to be offended. Paul was in prison in Rome. Paul had a full revival schedule. He was speaking everywhere the word of God. But since he was in prison, he couldn't keep the schedule. He enlisted the associate and the assistant ministers to fill in. Some that filled in recognized that the apostles' sincerity and unselfishness. They realized that his present circumstance was part of a larger divine program and that he had been put there not by his own miscalculations nor by chance, but by the operation of God's sovereignty. God had brought him to this place and this time for the defense of the gospel. These folks supported Paul. They loved Paul. They spoke kind words about Paul. They sent Paul gifts and presents. They preached the gospel and had the people to pray for Paul. But there was another associate minister crowd who were guilty of insincerity, particularly against Paul. These folks were offended at Paul's popularity in town. They were in competition with Paul and offended by Paul's success. We don't know quite why or how, but they had a beef with Paul and were offended by Paul. They were self-seeking opportunists who saw an opportunity of Paul being in prison as a way to promote themselves and increase their brand and membership. They thought that Paul would bitterly resent their success just as they did his. And his imprisonment would become more painful to him because they were winning converts and he was not. They positioned themselves in satisfaction, saying success is sweet revenge. They purposefully and intentionally attempted to stir up trouble for Paul. They were offended, personally offended by Paul. Well, for Paul, their behavior was an offense, and it was offensive, but Paul was not offended. Paul says, what does it matter? Why does all this personal stuff matter? And if I had to ask one question of every church, this church and every church, why does all this personal stuff matter? Why are all these personal feelings, what we, I think, and the way, what time the service started, what color the robes are, all this personal stuff, What kind of music 
is being sung. Folk won't come because in the kind of music. We, I remember when I was at New Faith, we used to have it where we would put the kids up. The, the, the thinking in my brain that I taught the church was that whatever is important, you put on the most important stage. This is why adults put themselves up on the most important stage, because up here right now is the most. So why do you have the kids in the basement while we upstairs in the important setting? So long before it became popular, we gave the kids every fourth Sunday. Children's choir sing, and I noticed the attendance going down. They don't come when the big choir ain't singing. We had the kind of craziness. My, if I was not in town, my wife had to drive my car and put it in a parking spot because if they drove by and saw my car wasn't there, they wasn't coming. And then some of them had the audacity to tell me that and think I'd be impressed. You know, I don't really come when you ain't there. <laughs> what? I could get hit by a truck today. Back to the kids. So I got up. And I said, wait, no, wait a minute. Wait, wait, y'all, y'all don't come? I said, do you know that there are gangbangers and pimps and the negative element who are waiting on your kids? And they'll show up. And they'll tell your kids that they're great and they're lovely to get them into what's wrong. And you don't come because the children's choir is not singing. Why are you offended? That's personal. You see, Paul said the important thing was that the gospel was preached. And the fact that the gospel being preached, it outweighed his personal considerations. He would not cloud the issue of the gospel by getting caught up in personal issues, personal feelings, and personal conflicts. The gospel was not about him personally. As a matter of fact, as long as the antagonism was personal, it's often about the, the antagonistic person more than it is about him, he would say. It revealed who they were and the level of their faith and had nothing to do with Paul. Paul could rejoice that the greater purpose of disseminating the gospel while they were offended. You see, when you have offense but you are not offended, you can rejoice. When you have an offense but are not offended, you can still remain spiritual and look at things through spiritual eyes. This is how non-offended spiritual folks that suffer offense act. This is how non, uh uh-uh. This is how spiritually mature people act when they suffer offense. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Paul says, what does it matter? The gospel is preached. Would you take offense so that the gospel could be preached? Would you let go of your offense? Gospel, what does it matter if it's gospel music or praise and worship? What does it matter to the children of the gospel choir, the singing, all this personal stuff? What does it matter if the gospel is preached where you sit, whether or not you have your day? What is the personal? What does all this stuff matter? And then we wonder why the people don't want to come to the church. 
They see the personal stuff. What they're looking for is for the gospel to be preached. Paul says the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or truth, Christ is preached. Paul is saying something very profound here. The power of the gospel is not contingent upon the motivation or the feelings of the one preaching or of the one hearing it. The gospel has its own efficacy, its own authority and power that is not contingent upon the actions, the thoughts, the feelings of the preacher or the church for that matter. If the gospel is preached, nobody can stop it, preacher included. If the gospel is preached, competitive church folks can't stop it. If the gospel is preached, denominational labels and theological preferences cannot stop it. If the gospel is preached, personal and petty can be transformed into a blessing for people. Nothing and nobody can stop the power of the gospel. If it's preached, it takes over the preacher. If it's preached, it takes over the service. If it's preached, it takes over the choir stand. If it's preached, demons tremble and hell freezes over. If it's preached, pimps become preachers. Cocaine addicts become choir members. Prostitutes become prayer warriors. Reefer money becomes rent money. A 40 ounce becomes a communion cup. The casino becomes a ghost town. If it's preached, the lottery will languish if the gospel is preached. Well, what is the gospel? We just sung it a few minutes ago for God to love the world. The gospel is an event that happened on a hill called Calvary on Friday and the resurrection on Sunday. And that Sunday resurrection has changed everything. You see, it's, it's, a, it's the Christ event. When, when, I, when, when I was learning from uh, younger preachers how to invite people to Christ, and you know, we used to say, and I grew up, they open the doors of the church and say, well, Pastor, you know, when you say open the doors of the church, it doesn't really work with young people. So I said, well, what works? They said, offer them a Christ connection. The gospel is a Christ connection. You see, we make it about doctrine. And we miss the Christ connection. Oh, I got, I got stories. That we could be, oh, I got church stories all day. I remember, I remember, I remember we had the baptismal pool. And I stepped down into the baptismal water, and it was ice cold, and I had boots on. So we got people, kids and adults, getting ready to be baptized, and they didn't have boots on. If I'm freezing in boots, you know they got to be. So I, I tell the people, okay, we're not going to have this kind of baptism. Because there's no experience for the people. They're going to be cold. 
They're going to be shivering, and then you put them under. And I realized that they had invited family members, people to come. I said, okay, well, we're going to do this. I asked the deacons to go get me a bowl of water, bring people, put their clothes back on, and later in the service, I would sprinkle them. Because I said it wasn't about how, it was about the what, the transformation of a life. I sprinkled those folks, and you just thought I denied the resurrection. You would have thought I denied the resurrection. Oh, we baptized by immersion. What about Christ is a happening? Christ is an event. Christ is a transformation. Now, the Bible tries to describe the event, and doctrine comes later, but it's a Christ happening, a Christ experience. And you can't shape and control the Christ experience by your imagery of doctrine. I'm not against doctrine. It's important. But y'all get my point. I'll give you another one. I remember, I, 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 you know, I opened the doors of the church. I invited people to a Christ connection, and a lady came down. And she came down and brought her drugs with her. And she said, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, because I can't, you know, come down. I, I shake the people's hand when they come, and she whispered to me, I don't want to do this anymore. So I looked at them, and I said, okay, um, put the drugs on the altar. So she walked up, and you the folks jumped. I mean, you know, I did too, but, you know. I mean, when I first, I had gotten over the shock because I had already seen it. And I told the church, and we prayed, and we got us some help. And I said, there may be somebody else up in here. If you had courage today, if you had courage, she's not the only one up in here. And I said, if you ain't got the courage today, I said, you call this office, call the pastor's office this week and we'll help you. But metaphorically, we'll let you put your drugs on the altar. And when I got to the doggone meeting, they said they're talking about how it defiled a communion table. It's a nice white cloth. You know, communion Sunday. We got white gloves. <laughs> How are we, how we going to have communion after that? What? This is the point of communion. See, when Christ is an event, when Christ is an experience, when Christ is a happening, you recognize the change that comes into a person's life when we preach the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we tell people, we tell people, there was a certain past event that opens up a new future in your present. If we tell people that with Christ in their lives, they will have hope in the face of whatever, hope for their whole lives, whatever that happens, they still got hope. No matter what you have to deal with, 
you deal with it better with Christ. They can't see that because they see our behavior. Why are you offended? Why are you offended? Get out the way and let the gospel be preached. Paul said, I rejoice when it's preached, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul said, I rejoice that when the gospel is preached, I rejoice. My sister is a preacher. I love her deeply. She, she preaches a recovery service. Some churches now have recovery services on Friday night. If you are wrestling with any kind of addiction, they have a special recovery service. And um, to give you an idea, I, I preached several of those services at a church that they would consistently invite me, and then they moved it to Saturday night, and I would preach the recovery service. People in there struggling with all kind of things. And they had a part of the service where the ministers went down and said, if you've never received the Bible, So it's the word of God. It'll help you, but if you've never, we got them stacked right here. You, you can come and get one. And I saw people come. And all you did, they would just pray for them. After they got, they would pray. And I would preach that recovery service. And I like preaching the recovery service more than preaching the regular service because recovery folk, for the most part, ain't playing church. <laughs> It ain't about how I look or how I dress or where I sit or where, where my role is and what my title is. And my sister preaches the recovery service. She told me that while she was preaching, she could see in the back commotion. What was going on was a young lady was... ODing from opioids in the bathroom outside the sanctuary. While the gospel was being preached. You're not listening. I don't know how much you know about opioids, but I didn't know much, but I've learned a high dose of opioids can cause death from cardiac or respiratory arrest. Tolerance to the euphoric effect of opioids develops faster than tolerance to its dangerous effects. Therefore, people overdose often by mistake because they are trying to get a higher high and they take too much. She was in the recovery service, in church, taking opioids. Somebody says she has the audacity to come to church and do drugs in the church. I thank God she did it in the church because she was in the place where the gospel was being preached. My sister told me that the paramedics came and administered Narcon, 
Opioid overdose can be reversed with intravenous Narcon. That young woman, my sister told me, is alive and well today in the service because she OD'd in the right place. You see, the paramedics administered the physical Narcon and the church, because she was where the gospel was being preached, administered spiritual Narcon. While the physical Narcon was administered, the church said, in the name of Jesus, you shall live and you shall not die. Maybe as the paramedics gave her the physical Narcon, the church said, we heard it, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. Maybe while the Narcon, the physical stuff, the spiritual stuff was saying, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For behold, all things become new. When the gospel is preached, the dead come back to life. Paul says, I rejoice when the gospel is preached. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. And if the truth would be told, you and I might not be on opioid, but we've been on something. And we should rejoice when the gospel. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, UCC, AME, AME Zion, or whatever you call yourself. Rejoice when the gospel is being preached. I don't care what you call yourself, bishop, apostle, archbishop, whatever it is. Rejoice in the gospel. Preach it and rejoice when it's preached. How to reach the masses, men of every birth. For an answer, Jesus gave the key. If I be lifted, I'll draw all unto me. You remember this. The world is hungry for the living bread. Lift Jesus for all to see. Jesus said, if I be lifted, I'll fall unto me. Don't exalt the preacher. Don't exalt the pew. Preach the gospel simple, full, and free. Prove him, and you will find that promise is true. I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up by living as a Christian. Ought. Lift him up. By living as Christians, don't get offended. The world sees it. Lift the Savior up by living as a Christian ought. Let the world in you the Savior see. Then people will gladly follow him who once taught. I'll draw all men. Lift the Savior up. Lift the Savior up till he speaks from eternity. I be lifted up. I'll draw all unto me. Now, why are you offended? In Jesus' name, amen.
going to ask you, you've been sitting a long time. I'm going to ask you to stand. I just want you to stand. Thank you so much. Just stand. I almost want to have an offended altar call. I mean, are there... There might be somebody here who does not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody who may have wandered in here or maybe you're just here for the anniversary. And maybe the gospel was preached. And there's a tugging. You feel something. And on the human level, you know, it's like to think that maybe I'm feeling the preacher. No, you're feeling God. That's what you're feeling. You see, on a hill called Calvary, there was a death. But on Sunday morning, there was a resurrection. And that has changed the entire arrangement of history. And it will change your life. If you don't have a church home. This is a wonderful, wonderful outpost. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, even if you're listening to me across the Internet, you can put it in the chat. I know we got some people who will respond. Because whenever the gospel is preached, Christ makes a claim on somebody's life or heart. Even if you remember the church already, Christ is making a claim on your heart. Maybe you need to apologize to somebody. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to say, I'm going to be better so we can work together better. I will not be offended. See, when you do that, it's free. Then you come to church and you sing, I love you, Jesus. I just want to tell you, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you more than anything. Oh, come on, somebody. I love you, Jesus. I love Jesus. I worship. I worship and adore you. Just wanna tell you. Just want to tell you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you more than anything. Come on, let go of that offense, and you can tell Jesus that you love him. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to take the time to say, Lord, I love you. I want to just have a cleansing moment 
And then we're going to finish that song in true rejoicing. There might be somebody on your heart who has offended you. Or there might be somebody that hearing the word of God, you realize that you offended. Wow. Jesus. A cleansing moment is a moment where we decide that we're going to tell God the truth. I used to tell my members, you know, don't lie to your attorney. Don't lie to your pastor. And when you come to church, don't lie to God. This is a cleansing moment for you just to tell God and say, God, I was wrong. God, I'm going to do better. God, I'm going to step up. God, that's been a roadblock. God, I'm blocking the gospel. I'm not living in such a way that people can see Christ in me. It may be on your job. You remember how you acted last week on your job? God wasn't pleased with that. It might have been a post you put on. So you know God wasn't pleased. You were trying to get somebody told, but embarrassed in the gospel. So I just want you to just close your eyes just for a moment. I'm going to give you a moment between you and God for you to tell God or God to tell you. I don't know, but I'm going to give you a moment. And then we're going to come out of this and we're going to sing I love you, Jesus, because I believe there's going to be some free people in the room. like me, God brought a name up to my heart, and I told God, I'm going to get that straight. But because I said that, I can go ahead and sing, I love you, Jesus. So come on, let's sing together. Freedom. Just want to tell you, I really want to tell you that. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I worship and adore you. I worship and adore you. Oh, just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything.
Dr. Frank, we thank you so much. We expected nothing less than the very, having the opportunity to hear the very voice of God this morning through his vessel, Dr. Frank Anthony Thomas. I am, um, I'm beyond grateful. His schedule is so, he probably preaches more being retired from, I mean, not retired, but being, not pastoring than he did pastoring. And for him, he had another engagement on his calendar this day. And um, he was able to rearrange some things. And I thank God that they didn't pay for that plane ticket. Because he said, if they haven't played for the plane ticket yet, I'll see what I can do. And he did that for us, and I am so grateful. And I'm doubly grateful that he has allowed me to be in his circle. I watch everything he does. I'm humble when I'm in his presence. I don't want to take any of his classes. Because I don't know if I have the rigor to deal with his rigor. He's the kind of professor that you have to be doing nothing else. But every time I hear him, he inspires me. I remember when I was in the middle of a Kuwaiti desert, feeling the weight of ministry for the Marines and sailors that I was pastoring during Desert Storm. And there was only one sermon I had an opportunity to hear the whole nine months that I was there. And it was a sermon that Dr. Frank Thomas preached that my sister sent to me when I was in Desert Storm. I still have that sermon because it inspired me. I was a younger preacher. I'm still claiming young. I was a younger preacher. And that word inspired me. And I just want to say thank you, Dr. Frank. I'm also going to ask in advance 
Can we be on your regular Rolodex once a year, Ebenezer, the birthplace of gospel music? I know he understands. I don't want to be in competition with the, with the, uh, 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 there's so many churches, the uh, Wheeler Street Baptist Churches, the Salem Baptist Churches, the Trinities, the Saint Sabina. I can't, you know, I can't compete with them. But I'm going to ask in advance, just, you know, in your schedule, just get Ebenezer. There's so many people. Alfred Street Baptist Church, just everywhere. He's just everywhere. He's a blessing, and he's a blessing to the kingdom of God. We're going we're gonna to end, but I want to do one thing. Um, the trustees, we have, a, uh, we have the scissors ready for the ribbon cutting. So when we get up there, we can cut the ribbon. So I'm giving warning order. You got it, Glennis? You got it. Thank you, Glennis. Rachel, do you have that little thing? Okay. You know what? Facebook is a wonderful tool, right? Wonderful tool. Come on up, Rachel. Uh, I wanted to always make certain. I wanted Dr. Frank to know that he would see Ebenezer for the rest of his days as a special place. And I want to do something memorable, memorable beyond just the fact that we gave you a token of our appreciation. Yesterday was Dr. Frank's birthday. I thought it was the day. I thought it was the day. So I said, this man coming to preach on his birthday, but I was corrected that, uh, that yesterday, come on up, yesterday was his birthday. So we get the privilege of, one, singing happy birthday. Thank God for my wife who I sent to Mariano's before she got here. We have just two cupcakes for you and your wife that we wanted to present to you as we sing happy Happy birthday birthday to you happy birthday to you happy about uh, going upstairs or any guidance somebody want to we just go up there we're going to cut the ribbon and we'll just go into the data room I would advise everybody to go that way make your way up those stairs amen those stairs that way it's a little bit easier on that side we're going to make certain that we're ready when we proceed out please I'm going to ask out of respect for Dr. Thomas I know y'all want to grab his hand and shake his hand but we're going to we're going we're gonna to make sure he remains comfortable so he can get some rest tonight, right? 
Okay. Okay. So we will not pronounce the benediction at this time. We'll do it after the concert this afternoon. So we shall see you at 257. Uh, we'll be going upstairs. God bless you. For those of you who are leaving now and won't be able to come back, we pray that God will go with you. Thank you for all of our friends of Ebenezer, our families of Ebenezer who are here. Uh, and we pray God's continued blessings upon you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you this afternoon. Amen.
living a blessed life. All right, living this kind of life. I'm living a blessed life. All right, living this kind of life. I'm living a blessed life. Living this kind of life. I'm living a blessed life. I'm living this kind of life. I'm living a blessed life. 